So it's working okay. Well, 10 seconds of silence. It's 10 seconds. Okay. So the general idea would be that every time you, uh, every time we begin and you open up a checklist of stuff to do is you would essentially be auditing it to improve it. So if it's spelling or capitalization hyphens, if it's little square boxes that you would imagine a little tick that you'd put in, um, if it's adding more stuff, correcting things, whatever. So for example, since you're leaving a laptop in this, in this room, getting it doesn't really make any sense. You could say you know, placing it correctly or whatever the heck. Um, and I can't remember what we were saying before we just started recording. Um, ah, I guess it doesn't really matter. Okay, so yeah, um, I think the one thing that I want to decide, oh, you were asking uh, what time we would normally start. And so it would be uh, 4.30 Pacific, 7.30 Eastern. And um, so if it goes for three and a half hours or so, um, the idea is, I like the idea of ending before midnight East Coast so that it it doesn't seem like it's as late as, I mean, technically it isn't as late as 12, right? But um, that midnight idea just gets a little, it's a little daunting. Um, but uh, I did want to decide on whether or not we ought to be in the same room for now because of audio issues and possibly lighting issues and sharing the general area um, because we can control the space in a smaller room. I was suggesting the library, cleaning it up, and manipulating the, the content of the walls to improve the sound and just pulling a table out sideways instead of against the wall and basically doing what we're doing here but in a closed room that's smaller so that it can kind of be padded and stuff. Um, what are your thoughts on doing that or separating ourselves? Or I don't mind being like, I don't, quality wise, I'm worried about this, especially I'm worried about being edgy and having like, and, and being in an open space. Like I wouldn't go. So for example, um, we, we can go to an actual sound studio. I know, I know a sound studio we can go to. And I can imagine going there and just being a little too edgy and having somebody outside or somebody whatever pop in or something like that. And and the edginess would would be off-putting to sensitive little it would make it would the wilting lilies, <laughs> the snowflakes. Well, we could try it. Um I mean let's harm and try it once and then see how it is. No. But the the uh the equivalent of, of being in a household if there's somebody else around even if it's like a guest or something, then somebody renting, I don't want the, um, I don't want an extra body to either be offended or for us to be nervous about what we're talking about based on who's around. That's why I'm suggesting different rooms. Um, I mentioned it a couple days ago. You've had some time to think about it. What do you think? What do you want to do? Well, might as well try it out, I guess. Um, I'd have to... So you could have a headset on. I've got this microphone here that I bring with me. 
and you have a headset so you can still talk and that would let us control the audio but i'd have to figure out how to record otherwise i think it would just be through obs and talking through discord yeah i'm guessing something like that would work um you do have the option of recording the audio output from discord and yourself in separate tracks that might give us some interesting superpowers for for audio um, I mean, that's for the future, but that is exactly the sort of thing that happens in a, a more professionally run endeavor where they would actually record every microphone on a separate track. And this is why um, podcasters will have their mouth right up to the a microphone, like a $2,000 microphone, right? But So they can get away with that stuff, but they would have their mouth right up against it, which is disgusting. But uh, that's what they would do, and then each person in the room would kind of have the same thing, and it would naturally isolate voices from one another. Uh, plus, they have like people behind plexiglass and stuff like that. You've seen, you've seen stuff like that. Um, so, pen and paper. I would normally just type this out, but I'm trying to do things a little bit analog. Uh, I never understood like analog and digital. Yeah. Analog is pretty much anything had like old fashioned, I guess. Well, yeah, you can. Wow. The bad comparison is comparing something like a record with a CD. It's actually a little long, but you can think of a dial. Um, uh, a dial that has clicks is basically digital even though it's a manual thing it's a physical thing but there are free turning things that are essentially analog so uh, digital has hard breakpoints where it jumps from one number to another so like uh, a woman's hotness rating the one to ten that's a digital scale an analog would have infinite numbers. You couldn't represent that in a digital way correctly without stupid math. So you can imagine there being the idea of 1 to 10, but the range of choice would be a needle that moves in there, not, not, a, not a separation between what like every woman's a six somehow right but uh you know in the real world there's no ranking is stupid i like patrice o'neill's ranking for women do you know about that no so patrice o'neill is a unfortunately so first off he's dead now he's dead by his own decision so he's a big black man he was, killed what? was and he was overweight and he had uh, type 2 diabetes. So this is the diabetes that's acquired. And basically, you eat a bunch of sugary food all the time. And so he got diabetes. And um, he made the decision that he would rather eat the food that gave him diabetes in the first place and die from it than change his diet and live longer. Because he didn't want to live a life like that. So he did kill himself, essentially. Okay. Right? Okay. Anyhow, so that... And he's a comedian. He's a stand-up comedian. And uh, he is brutal. He's brutally honest. 
Yeah, so he's he you can say he's something like from a different era of of comedy and he actually managed to to survive into the snowflake generation whereas a lot of present so-called edgy comedians went full-on leftist or went coasters behind you or if you're worried about the table am i worried about a table no i'm not i don't spill so go figure <laughs> shut <laughs> i poke the glass um destroy it yeah my awesome double walled ceramic mug well it's not even it doesn't have a handle so it's not a mug whatever you want to call it um so he he uh managed to maintain really harsh truths in his comedy and we were talking about the the analog and digital the digital one to ten for for women which isn't actually a thing in real life for men it's just kind of a joke and patrice what he does is he extends it into three blocks it's one to thirty for him and i can't i'm not going to be able to reproduce his entire sketch um it's very good if you go on youtube you'll be able to find his work and this piece and what he does is he breaks it into three chunks. And ch the, the first chunk is ugly. The second chunk is like girl next door. And the third chunk is hot. Now, what's, do you remember the name? Her name's on the tip of my tongue. She was in the movie. She starred in the movie. Um, damn, why can't I remember? Like, what, she's, what she's ugly. She's she's ugly, so I can't remember her. Um, so it was a freaking bloody sword movie. God, I can't remember it. Sucker Punch? No, no. Hmm. I don't remember. Kill it. Bill? Oh, Uma Thurman. Uma Thurman. Yeah, Uma Thurman. So, so she's like Uma Thurman is uh, is a ten. So it's a really hot, ugly woman. <laughs> <laughs> and like so it's like okay yeah <laughs> and so what it does is it kind of it, it it pushes out the classifications a little bit further and helps a person understand class it's like it's the dumbest it's like classifying beetles it's like, why bother as, as a, okay someone who's really there are people who do that crap for a living. And um, I understand the idea of the nuance, and it's just a hilarious sketch that he does. But it is an interesting way to think about the uh, expanding the uh, digital problem a little bit more analog, a little bit more refined. But that's the basic idea is, theoretically speaking, if you were to sum, if everything that you represent either in mathematics or on paper or in a computer or whatever is always digital. Like we have no concept of communicating anything except digitally for us to communicate, for us to communicate something analog, we'd craft something in the real world and hand it to you. So in order for me to describe a circle, um, digitally I can, use pi and i can use all kinds of numbers to talk about the 
the radius or the diameter, and I can talk about all kinds of stuff. And when I'm trying to describe and put it on paper or something like that, ultimately the only way I can do it analog is to just draw a circle and hand it to you. And that's and that's the the most absolutely uh, let's say correct way of doing it, even if it's so-called inexact. Um, and it's like something like pi. You can try to refine it and refine it and refine it, and you'll never get it true because it will never become analog. You can't represent an idea digitally in terms of perfect, um, perfect. let's say perfect accuracy, unless it's some really, there's some nuances in mathematics where like it's kind of possible, but unless things are really weirdly broken down, like in certain elements of physics, where you can break it down enough, you can get digital um, and kind of describe it in its perfect form, but not really. Like, so you can describe something like, um, like uh, let's say something like charge and we've got units of charge or we've got units of mass and we can actually boil it down to individual particles and pieces of particles and pieces of pieces of particles and we can assign well an electron is a charge of minus one and the proton is this and a neutron is zero and then you can break those down even well you can't break an electron down probably i'm completely lost at this oh point. yeah this is advanced theoretical particle physics for whatever the fuck. my head's exploding so theoretically speaking there's a whole bunch of aspects of life where we can kind of try to break it down perfectly I regret right? it. but <laughs> but it'll never it just doesn't work we can boil it down to a formula on a piece of paper which is pretty good anyway Yes, the depths of my uh, half knowledge of random crap. Um, that was half knowledge. Oh, God. That was half knowledge. Imagine if I had my notes in front of me. I could just go through and... I've actually watched videos on... I love theoretical particle physics for some damn reason. And uh, here I would cut in like uh, references to videos of lectures or something like that during our breaks and be like... Here's this Dutch physicist working in the United States who he, he can draw these really great chalk lines. And it's just fascinating because he's a great professor, too. If you want to learn about rainbows, you go and check this guy out. Or this kind of stuff is really, really good stuff. And he'll explain uh, double rainbows so you understand how rainbows work. And you can theorize triple rainbows, which not many people see because they're too faint. Because reasons. Anyhow, um, doo -doo -doo. so our timing is pretty good. Um, you've got the alarms concept set up. So you were saying that... I don't think it's possible because we'll either... A, either the discussion will be good before, like two minutes, a few minutes before 50 or, if you, or after. Okay, so you don't have an easy way to like nudge the alarm a little bit and so basically what would happen is you'd have a clock we'd kind of more or less get to a point 
and then we break. Maybe what we should do like is... Like, I'm paying attention to... Well, to a timer I'm, there. I'm paying attention to the record time. Yeah, well, what we do is we'd actually... Um, we wouldn't look at... Okay, so record time is supposed or to be 4.30 Pacific on the nose, and we'd start at that time. Like, right now, we're a bit off because we started recording just to chat a little bit about procedure. And what we would do is we need to make it a pretty hard break. So maybe what we'd end up doing is stopping much earlier rather than completing full thoughts necessarily. So you're already kind of uh, holding up fingers to tell me when I'm talking too much and we're coming up on a break. And maybe what I need to do is scribble a couple notes. We, we take a break earlier and just have longer means or whatever. And kind of like give give an audience member, um, never keep them longer than that expected time. So, okay. so like, try and, so try and force the fit, like, whatever it is. Once we go up to like the fifty minutes of the session, so, try and stop it at fifteen minutes and then have the break, and then go back and resume. Well, yeah, yeah. So it's better to end a fifty early and break early as long as we've got material to to meme stream um then run late because running late takes away if a person's interested they'll have to sit there which is no good um and we never want to take too short a break either for our own sanity for example it's good to have breaks theoretically speaking this could go all day right so if i wanted to i would you know, or if you want to stream a game or something like that, and then what we do is uh, stream a game. So something like Twitch lets you take your audience that's remaining, shut your stream down, and push that audience oh, into a recommended channel. So rating, yeah. And so theoretically speaking, I could set some stuff up, or you could set some stuff up on computer B, and you could game on one stream on one and then just raid it all over to the other one and then start the show that might not be a bad idea actually to attract the attention of, of people since you're playing anyway like i don't understand why you don't just stream because you have significant competence and you're playing too much anyway and at least this is something extra. now that we've got well hey everyone we have an, uh, the best internet connection we we can possibly get here which, which costs just, what 150 canadian a month yeah it's 150 but we're getting it for 100 but again <laughs> it's the phrase up to and you're never going to see that speed ever true actually that's not I even what speed test already yesterday and i didn't see it yeah of course not and it depends on time of day and it depends like everybody's stuck home right now anyway so so it's like i've heard so the phrase is uh, the term is provisioning so the con that that internet providers are running ever since cable was new, hey, I'm as old as dial-up, and and things to be proud of. Yeah, things. <laughs> I'm from acoustically coupled modems. I'm an old guy like yeah. me. I remember swing dial uh, for our phones, and um, so provision. What? Isn't why that you, the why put you, your finger in and go? Dick, 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 yes. Dick. And that's why we have nine one one because it's you can't dial that by accident. 
Right? Other places have like nine nine nine. It's because you have to go all the way for nine and then dit dit for one one. So you can't do it by mistake. Um, so so provisioning. So back in the cable days, what they do is they they'd lay a cable and they would split it out into one for each household that they were providing, and they would actually con everybody by saying up to, and they still do the pipeline would would handle like five full speed but they would be providing to 20 households under the assumption that not everybody would need all that much speed all at the same time now what that's doing now is that's that's all of that's everywhere that's the scam and all these people are at home and need the internet sometimes for work or they're playing or right like people live People, I'm not. I'm not saying that the fact that Pornhub was free had any impact, but it had enough impact that internet providers were choking under the amount of you know, usage. So the provisioning, their their plan was just shot to hell, and uh, it just makes me laugh. Uh, like, ah, yeah, yeah. So that's a bad. I mean. But what are they going to do? Like, what they should be doing is, what, for that period of annoyance, reducing the prices that everybody has to pay? But you know they're not going to do that. Well, aren't companies that don't want to make money? Well, I mean, there are places in the United States where they don't actually have free market competition. The internet there sucks. They can't go to somebody else. It's a small town, essentially. Yes and no. There are actually significant populations where they're, it's just like that. It's like uh, the, the different providers split up a city and then they each provide their hustle to their section. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, um, it's like mafia tactics. It is mafia tactics. <laughs> mafia inner providers. <laughs> Laundromats and ISPs. It might as well be because like phone... Because um, in the States, there's a great phone company that's doing things, but doesn't exist up in Canada. Well, sure. Um, they do They do a lot of things really weird. Like, they've got a crap ton of banks, for example. Canada's only got a handful of banks. I mean, we've only got a handful of population compared to the States, but the uh, States has all kinds of crap. It's just crazy. And it's very confusing for us, the idea of... What do we have, like, five we got meet, like banks, uh, trusts, and stuff like that. Yeah, banks. There's a five, there's a handful of major ones, and then a, the, a bunch of minor ones. Yeah, yeah. The little ones are like um, they'll also do insurance and stuff like that. And but the states is just absolutely preposterous. Um, yeah. So on to some other topic. Um, so maybe what we should do is. Um, when we do the the 50 50 10 is when we go on break what what are we doing um we're just stopping a recording and then appending to it when we return is that how you're doing things for now unless or in our face-to-face right now it's through audacity where we just stop and then stop recording and walk away okay so and i suppose that's the right thing to do. 
But if we're doing, but if we're in separate locations, that would be run through a different program. And well, that'd be done through a different method. And I guess in order to figure out how to phase. Well, OBS Studio has a new feature where you can pause a stream. Uh, you can pause recording at least. I'm thinking what ought to happen is uh, stopping and spooling everything out to disk and then starting it back up from scratch. But I'm not sure how OBS can handle something like that because as far as I know, it would stop the stream, which you don't want. What you want to do is push the stream over to a prepared video and then return. Well, kind of what I want to do is is split it up so that we end up having three files. Well, I mean, six files, technically. Mm. Well, 12 files, technically. I mean, video, point, video, just... audio, audio, times three. At that point, can it? I don't think you can do it, otherwise you'd have to stop the recording. Yeah, I think so. We'll have so, to take a look at it. In order to, the, the other way to wrap around it is... Do a notepad where the times are stopped and included as that day's. I suppose that's the only method of doing it because through Audacity you can tell when you you stop recording for that session recording yep. at that moment of recording with it there'll be a bar. And yeah, yeah, true. Yeah, we can see it very easily. OBS is Audacity. OBS it just records like you until you hit stop. From the moment you hit record and the moment you hit stop, that's what you get. Yeah, it's it's one continuous stuff. Um, so it's one really of the tricks uh, that you can do with both video or audio is they're the equivalent is you can have a, a padding space where you can look at the wave. So we can just mute all the microphones and let it run for the 10 minutes of the prepared stuff. And it's just this obvious padding of space that makes it easy to find in the track. And there's an equivalent with video too, where uh, I've got a program, I'm going to pronounce it incorrectly because nobody explained how to pronounce it. It's called AvidMux. And it's, uh, it's a, everything's written on Linux, but it's also been ported to Windows. And it's a video editing tool. And of note, and this is extremely important. I mean, I would normally uh, keep it as my trade secret, but um, what it lets you do is select whatever arbitrary point in a video and cut it at that point. And it's a feature that does not exist in, as far as I know, almost any other tool. There's a tool that somewhat does that, but it's... Right? Okay, so the, the idea is the way a, a video is the container codec concept is is you've got um you've got keyframes and so you would begin with a keyframe and what that represents is like a still photo with all of the data available and then you'd have a period of time and another keyframe so the, uh, okay. what would happen is there's a transition where you basically got formulae that are constructing every single new frame from the previous data plus the additional data plus the additional data going forward and forward and forward and forward. And then another keyframe, which is a complete, perfect video picture again. 
and then so forth. And it might be every X number of seconds, for example. So it's still quite efficient. It's not like the, I mean, the original videos would have 30 times a second, a complete, the equivalent of like a JPEG image or something like that, which is just a ludicrous thing. Whereas now it would be 30 times a second over like three seconds or whatever. It would be just the mutation of mathematics going from keyframe to keyframe to keyframe. And that, uh, the fact that it's doing that mathematics across that span of time means that if you try to chop it somewhere in the middle of that, it's just got garbled data because it doesn't have one perfect, beautiful slice with a completed picture. And so what most software will do is it will, uh, it will note that clip point and that will, it will essentially recompile, it will replay all the video from beginning to end and it will calculate all of the, all of the frames from the f earlier keyframe out to your cut point to create that as a new keyframe. So to make that perfect image start there. And that's a that's an obnoxious amount of stuff, especially because most software is so dumb that it has to recalculate everything to create new keyframes padded out at that correct distance. So every three seconds or whatever. Right? So that's why you have this stupid rendering time. You cut cut things around and you okay, so Avidmux, what it does is it doesn't let you clip at in the middle of keyframes. It only lets you clip at a keyframe. So you can actually zip around from keyframe to keyframe, keyframe if you want. And it clipped there and it's just a perfect clipping. So I can A, B and I can cut stuff out and it's, it's instant because it doesn't deal with the fiddly crap in between. And there's another piece. Of, so that lets me actually cut out stuff really easily. And then I can take just that portion I can bring it into an editing suite and I can do that finer stuff, but I don't, it's way faster because I've only got that smaller clip, that, that slightly too large clip that I can just pare down a little bit more in this other program. And what AvidMux lets me do is I can edit it and I can clip stuff apart and I lose no quality whatsoever. It is in fact the original video just clipped out on keyframes so I can do an A-B sample out of it, and it's just perfect. And I bring it into that other video editing suite, and I can fiddle with it, and I can have transitions and whatever the heck, and it can render out, and it's a lossy rendering, even though you know, it's maybe a very high, maybe it's a visually indistinguishable high-quality render that is you know, crafted so that it's friendly to YouTube and all this kind of stuff, right? But I would do that after the fact with a small prepared clip, and it's just so much faster to do that. Yeah. Now, the reason I brought that up, and the reason that ties into our trying to identify the 5010 mark, is in um, what we can do is we can have black frames, just like we would pad with silence, and you can see the waveform, and you can see the waveform flatten at one point and go, okay, well, that's. An indicator. I think that's where we stopped. Yeah, so that's pretty obvious. Or or something screwed up and it's flat. We just talked over nothing. 
Um, Someone popped on the microphone. Uh, yeah, rec- <clears throat> the microphone cord. Yeah. The cat. You don't even have a cat. But there was a cat. <laughs> Neighbor's cat comes in. Chews on a cable. Leaves. Um, so there's the equivalent with video. So audio, you'd have a flat in the waveform. The equivalent with video is when you have uh, colored frames. It's just one consistent color. All you would need to do is have keyframe to keyframe black. Technically one slice, technically one frame, but really you want keyframe to keyframe. And Avid Mux has a feature where you just go fast forward to first black frame. It goes and you can find it. And you can A-B clip on the black frames. And it lets us pull out stuff. So theoretically speaking, even with OBS Studio, having one continuous track, um, we would be able to take that track and cut it out. And the reason I like the idea of splitting out these these 50-minute segments is so that they can post be processed separately, possibly by you or me differently. And because in theory, probably in reality, it's not going to happen, but in theory, the... The topic would change. We come back from the break and, okay, we're going to talk about, you know, we're done talking about X. Let's go talk about Y for a little bit. Um, and that would, that would just, it would make it easier for us to be in a different frame of mind to go and sit down and handle um, segment one, segment two, segment three of that day. Um differently so sit down open a project the research necessary to back up the the nonsense that we were talking about or whatever the heck um and that's actually the other thing that i would like to bring up is theoretically speaking so we've got so unfortunately i mean it's not my decision but unfortunately the week has seven days i'm told and because of that because of that, um, we've got either two days or three days of kind of, uh, let's call it filler between full shows. And our notion that we had decided last time or the time before? No, the time before. Uh, at the time. The uh, last time. Last time, previous, is that we, were, recording this we would have, <laughs> yeah, is we would have clips prepared for the intermediate days. Now, what's interesting is we have three segments per show, and the three segments theoretically could represent a clip appropriate for filler day one, clip appropriate for filler day two, and... Appropriate or just like clips for... So we could take segment one. So for example, we could take segment one and make it for Thursday, segment two for Friday, segment three for Saturday. And that constrains us so that we don't have to, we just have to like find the best of segment one (laughs) and just stop worrying about once you find one interesting thing, just use it, just use it and, and don't scan through the entirety of that segment for additional interesting stuff. You would just, so, so you would, you would clip out segment one, and that's what you would work on for Thursday morning in order to have it ready for Thursday evening publication. Well, I, and then Friday you would sit down. You'd have segment two handed to you. Well, what if box. like, well, if you see the first thing, what if something else became like, could be something good or 
like no, you would want something that's like they would get that in the live show something that's hopefully not as good but like something else that's good it's that's i mean the question would become did we blither on for 50 minutes and have absolutely nothing that would be good enough for a preview maybe (laughs) maybe maybe and then then you just get desperate and reach for other other stuff (laughs) then rethink life (laughs) meditate on your mistakes um but uh, that three segments for three days doesn't happen for from a sunday show so because we've only got monday tuesday so yeah i mean just uh so we've got that out there so that kind of the idea of taking a problem and breaking it down constraining it like that is one of the things that makes life just a lot easier that way you don't have to sit down on thursday and work with three hours and then friday and work with three hours minus the time you already listened to and then set it's just you have one um i guess the trick would be playing things at double speed or whatever which i can't handle i don't like i know people that will that's that's how they watch youtube videos like i would just play it at 1.5 i wouldn't i can't handle that crap i think i think uh i mean maybe i'll have to change my mind at one point but nah, not right now and that does mean that um i am going to be i already do this with other stuff is i will have to sit there for three hours or like 15 minutes a day that's the thing i want to break it down and so one hour a day of just listening and then clipping out something interesting or but I would listen to all of it before it goes live, just in case I said something, right? Uh, and you want to you want to change it before the live show goes up. Then we got. I mean, but there's live live, which but is it, oh okay. But if you we were talking about publishing a few days after an actual live show, which we still have to talk about, and that's gonna be a bit different. Or what I was now I was thinking about the end point, not the beginning. Yeah, so I've got like a little... From our discussion, from our last discussion, the thought was we would record that day. Mm-hmm. Or at some point down the line was so it's live that day, and then we just take... Live, clip, clip, actual publication. Live, clip, clip, actual publication of the live. The live wouldn't necessarily go... See, the idea is we do live, and then we have preview, preview, recorded recorded in a live studio right yeah full full screen okay so yeah so so live or people are watching us yeah people are listening to us clip clip that day's that day's recording is is for is for brought is rebroadcasted yeah exactly Yeah. yeah so so part of it would be um i i do like the idea of making preview clips and then if if there's something interesting that needs to be tidied up or made made awesomer, then the full show could be made awesomer. Uh, that certainly isn't something I can do right now uh, well enough for it to actually be awesome awesome. It would just be kind of like terrible awesome. Like low-class awesome. It would be like, like a 3 out of 30. <laughs> it would be pretty damn ugly. 
below average ugly. That's really ugly. Um, and uh, so it would be, it would be something like, that would be something a, an actual employee would do. Um, like a minion? Um, no, actually, minion's probably going to be too dumb to do this for quite a long time. So we'll we'll have to find out. Oh, that we'll, poor guy. Maybe, maybe, maybe. Um, okay, so we need actual stuff to talk about. How much time do we have left? At right now, it's forty-one minutes. That doesn't tell me what I want to know. So How we got another nine minutes. We have another nine minutes. Technically before. speaking, although what would be the hard lines? Nine minutes plus another four, right? Plus one. It, we would do it on. This is why I can't do the math. Smaller numbers, guys. I can't think too too large. So, um, so when we get to uh, five twenty, aka eight twenty, um, then don't don't expect me to do like Mountain Time and Central Time and Alaska Time and Hawaii Time. And... Okay. Um, <laughs> Still sneezing. I guess that didn't work. Okay, I see what you Okay, so uh, we need actual topics to talk about. I'm just going to take a note that we had the idea of doing gaming streaming, which is something you ought to have been doing for years now. How old is Twitch? How old is every video game you've been playing? Um, and uh, having that pushed into rating into an actual show um i i like that idea because that's a way of actually gathering more people although the idea of you talking while playing is comical <laughs> but i mean me explaining or just me talking you, you just kind of being the because i've not the hang of explaining certain concepts yeah so there's there's that but i mean just in general when you're just rating rating but there's a lot of stuff that you wouldn't necessarily want to talk you wouldn't want to talk about while you're playing necessarily so but i mean that's a skill unless i'm like like playing while talking that's either a game where you don't really care it's again bringing back to those guys where you say it's i can't when i play games i, I kind of want to make progress or do things on them like <laughs> It's like it's escaping to my own reality, of my current reality, but... Well, so sharing, which is streaming, would involve you not being internal like that and actually mm -hmm. talking. But um, if it's a non-essential activity, which there's a lot of grinding and stuff, or if it's an old raid and you're not necessarily talking with other people, that would be the other thing. Is, is, every raid involves community. If it's old, then once things have been explained, uh, I could just take care of do a role set. Then you can talk as well. The question would be, how would you like push to talk to talk on stream and or talk to them? But I think the idea would be that you let them know that you're a streamer and that what everybody says will be, or you can just have them not included in the in the stream their voices aren't included um and then just yours is which isn't so bad um i like my voice count <laughs> <laughs> uh 
I like uh, my voice. You're not allowed to be in it. Well, uh, and that would eliminate any. I personally, I love hearing the voices of the other people there. There's one guy that I that I have watched his stuff on, and uh, he does very very high end uh, rating for World of Warcraft, and I've watched his streams, um, and he he's a really good talker like surprisingly and but he doesn't stream something he's on a well there's policy that prevents him from replaying the voices of his guildmates but sometimes when he's doing like private stuff like um battlegrounds uh so he's doing wide like mass pvp stuff and that then they will it'll be just whomever and he'll have their voices as well sometimes that's always been really interesting to me and so if you can do that kind of thing that would be really really wonderful if you were if you're doing it directly from on xbox if you do it there's an option if you're streaming directly from the xbox itself Mm -hmm. but since i want to do it through do you play on your P- You play on your Xbox, don't you? I play both. So I still I mean, play Xbox, and my clan mates give me shit for for playing on your Xbox. Yeah, it's like, you, why would you want to downplay, downgrade your experience? Like, yeah. well, you got the good Xbox. Or is there a better Xbox that's out now? Cur- at this moment, at this moment, where it's the best of the best, it's even better than what PlayStation's putting out. Or okay. has at this moment, but right now it's summer of 2020. The next generation consoles are being released this holiday season. Really? Jeez. I was now, thinking of getting this recent. Well, I was thinking of getting a PS3. Now the uh, PlayStation looks. Now the PlayStation Five. They released it, the actual image of it. It's huge. And it looks really stupid. Yeah, it looks really dumb. Because you can't really set it down. You have to make it like straight up. It's got like it's essentially got like the stupid. Co- it's like um, it's, it's like crude. those guys with like the collars popped up. Yeah, yeah. Okay, now long before PlayStation introduced its uh, designs, or long before in PlayStation revealed it, the PS Five got revealed. Everybody was shitting on the um, Xbox Series X. Because it just looks like a giant piece of wood. <laughs> like a giant piece of cut wood. Like, it looks like a block of wood. That's, um... Now, how they design... Now, giving credit to them, they put the fan on top so air is being pumped from down up. And heat rises so it's fine. You got the cold air coming out from the bottom. So Microsoft admits that heat rises now. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Who'd have thought? You could be, it's preferably, they say, or I don't think they said it, but it's implied that it's better yeah. for it to be standing up than rather than the traditional lying down because technology these days is getting better and better, but we're still running into the heat issue. Yep. So until that solves, which well, I think it's going to be a long ass time before that. For, so it's better for to follow what they recommend. You know, there are people that actually put their their gaming equipment, like their console equipment, in cabinets. <laughs> and it just cooks their stuff. 
It's the dumbest idea. Well, they're like, oh, well, I put an last, air hole. <laughs> last generation, not this generation, last generation with the PlayStation 3 and the Xbox 360, that was the tipping point. Yeah. Because things like back then didn't really overheat us. Well, they did get warm, but it didn't shut down due to overheating. Yep. Xbox had the Ring of Death crisis. Yep, I was about to say the Red Ring. PlayStation didn't as much, and they kind of dominated that generation, but now Xbox is slowly... <laughs> Man, it took one controversy for Xbox to go, oh, we believe gamers, not people playing video games. Wow. Well, yeah. Did you did you see that any of that or No, I don't know. Tell me. Oh, I got to explain something. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> so I don't remember the year, but during an E3 press conference and this made the whoever was the head of Xbox resign. Really? Uh, yeah. Like what do you mean by head? What is the position? head of Xbox the gaming division? So right now, that guy is Phil Spencer. Okay. Um, whoever was his predecessor, or whoever, yeah, might as well be his predecessor. So he got shit-canned, or did he, did he leave? He resigned, or so, he just, something happened to him, and Phil Spencer took over, and do it with Phil Spencer's reign, because everyone pretty much sees him as a figurehead. Okay. Xbox has gotten a lot better. Now, we don't know whether or not, well, yeah, everything's gotten much better under... Because everyone threw a face at because he's now the face of the gaming division. Okay. Of Microsoft's Xbox division, or however you can say it. So, the concept of the Xbox One before what we know of it now was it's if you buy games digitally, it's locked to your account. And if you bring it over to a friend, it's like a license or something. And what you would have and it would and the xbox is always online yeah so if you're in a shit so you're kind of sol if you're overseas or in a small town without great internet service because once after a while it just goes you're not allowed okay and they emphasize it's a home center console instead of a gaming console so it would pipe TV through, or it still does now, but there isn't much of an emphasis on it. So you can pump like TV shows and such through it. Okay. Through your Xbox. Through your Xbox. Yeah, I heard about all that nonsense. Yeah, so... So you can do like Netflix and whatever. You can already do Netflix, but like yeah, local yeah. cable and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, that's... Like that was the plan for it. I that was the plan. kind of do it. I mean, but whatever television is, right? <laughs> the main issue was DRM and how everyone like kind of hated. Like, we're already pushing onto the digital market, yep. and e and it goes to show how EB Games or the the brick and mortar. Uh, yeah, EB Games is one of them. EB Games is like going down in flames now. Oh, I think I know which company you mean. I can't remember. GameStop. There you go. Yeah. GameStop, that GameStop, GameStop, they're going down in flames right now because they're shit. hemorrhaging money. You don't know the half of that. Like I know, uh, I had, okay. So YouTube has videos of of former employees, including former management, that have left the company. 
and are speaking or up. were forced out. Yeah, and we're talking and are talking about it. There's a lot of those videos. And they're really like I hate this kind of drama nonsense, but those are really interesting videos. More than drama nonsense, it's how they're they're taking advantage of people's goodwill. Well. It's, and it's, it's a of, terrible company ran, run badly and the managers are awful people yeah. <laughs> and the higher ups are even awful people but there's so my interest tends to be from the business from the much much higher level business perspective and uh i think i told you this story already where what they're what so there's this meta game that's happening at the extreme high level uh, like ceo board of directors level and stock st uh, like stockholder shareholder level where they're playing this little bait and switch game with and they're saying well we have this many of x number of this kind of activity in our business so we have this many units this many dollars worth of used game sales and so they talk about things like this and one of the sleight of hands, because I explained this to you off off recording at one point, one of the sleight of hand tricks that they're doing is they're actually taking brand new shrink-wrapped uh, discs for a game. For, so like a, one of these hot new pre-orderable, you know, one of these AAA things. They, bought, they have it new, they have it shipped into a place and they would actually have it brought to a different kind of uh, warehousing space where they would have people unwrap them by hand and open them up. And that would be declared as a pre-owned item. So there was a purchasing number with a dollar value of purchased new items. It would be considered sold at that end. And then it will be actually sold for realsies claimed to be used because it's been opened and re the shrink wrap removed and that is what would be handed to the customer this unshrink wrapped thing that would be declared as used even though it's a brand new triple a game and this con was being shaped in order to manipulate the number of units and the number of dollars and that's what was being conveyed to shareholders so they're they're actually fleecing their own people. So they're they're well they're building going down in flames now. Yeah, they're not now, but their ship was like it, they already knew that they were sinking. And I don't know if the actual major stockholders knew any of this stuff, and uh, they were biding their time. They'd gone out or, or what's going on. But it's basically it's a con that was or is going to mess over if you own stock with that company get out get out now but i mean don't take my advice because i was saying get out of bitcoin <laughs> don't what do i know i mean i know way the hell more about bitcoin than basically anybody except government level and spooks in the united states but you know whatever i would not go anywhere near that shit um, and that, and considering I knew about cryptocurrency right from the beginning, uh, you know, I missed out on, I don't know, what would it be? Tens of millions at this point? Yeah. Well, one guy had, um, uh, one guy had 
possibly millions in a hard drive that he threw out somewhere <laughs> in the landfill. He's <laughs> never gonna find it. Uh, there's uh, a... He's still searching to this day, apparently. Really? <laughs> uh, I mean, I would. I'd make that a hobby. Um, there's this uh, one story of uh, a pair of uh, children of uh, a grandmom. I don't know if it was her grandchildren or whatever. And what they decided is that they'd be really nice. To be, like, they love their grandma, so they wanted to surprise her with a present. So they bought her a new mattress. And the grandma comes oh. home, new mattress. And she freaks out because apparently for years she's, she's been stuffing, stuffing money under the mattress. Stuffing it with bills. And it's, it's got a million dollars of actual cash paper money in it. <laughs> so they're like, well... Oh, <laughs> so they go to the dump and they're like, well, where do we put it? It's around here somewhere. They did actually recover it. <laughs> oh, that's nice. <laughs> that, is, that is nice. But like, guys, don't touch somebody's property and play pretend like you're being nice about it. You're well, I like, mean, just just know gift cards just a gift card would be nice (laughs) it's the thought freaking origami a gift card and hand that and and be done with it or bring the thing i mean i mean matt you can get a mattress you can get the wrong mattress anyway because people are different and firmness and and this is where we put in a commercial for uh purple do you know about them they're doing like a lot of advertising these days I knew, but it's actually bookmarked for me to get, and I'm I'm actually looking at getting one with the pillows. But goddamn, is that expensive? And it's obviously, I'm not advertising for them right now because goddamn, they're expensive. So it's just a it's a lattice, uh, uh, an elastic lattice of rubbery material. Oh, the purple pillow. Yeah, the purple I'm, pillow. I've been looking mattress. for thinking that might be good. Yeah. I, uh, so my brain runs hot and I can't sleep properly ever. I haven't since ever. And so I've gone through different kinds of pillows and stuff like that. I'm thinking of just getting something made of wicker, but I'm probably going to lose an eye on that. And there's bamboo, but I'm not buying anything from China. It's made of wood. Um, it's probably got coronavirus on it. And uh, again, I'll probably lose an eye. And it'll be moldy and whatever the hell. But so I need something that's firm, that's breathable. And I was looking at purple. Um, and there's like water water pillows and stuff like that. And all this kind of stuff. And, um, and, but it's expensive. And I was, I mean, doing other stuff, right? And right now, I mean, it's summertime here. So I was thinking about getting a, and window air conditioner or something like that and because that's also quite effective at cooling but now it's you know it can be cool enough at night that i can open a window at midnight or whatever the heck and sleep for however long um but yeah um some people like firm some like soft some like purple then you wouldn't want to give somebody a mattress as a present it's just it's just it's expensive and awkward and dumb, especially just having it in their 
like having it shipped to their door and being like, surprise! And them looking at it going, well, sorry, but I want purple. <laughs> take take your sort of perfect sleeper and toss it. Set it on fire. So that, that would be the dumbest gift. I mean, personally, I like a bed that's really firm. So if you get one that's stuffed with a million dollars in cash, that's that's the perfect kind of firmness that I'm Just looking for. Million? Oh, Just millions fine. It's American dollars, so what's that like eight million Canadian or something? <laughs> Anyhow, so we should we should probably talk about something completely different. This is where we'd have a list. Should I go back to my video games? Should I go back to what I was explaining about Xbox? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> were, was I derailing us? No. That no, never like for what, twenty minutes? No. <laughs> uh, everything I said about Microsoft's turning point was pretty much it. Uh, there was, again, recapping. We're talking about the PS5's dumb shape, too. Well, uh, uh, then, but... Er, so, going back to what Microsoft did with the DM... Oh, the, with the new person? Well, with Phil, before Phil Spencer took place. Mm -hmm. um, so, he introduced um, DRM, or Always Online, and DM, and... Uh, digital DRM for a game so you bought it, you own it and if you wanted to give it to someone or something it involved licenses or something and uh, that and that um, so Xbox was the first one to do the press conference and then Sony was after they poked fun at, um, at what Xbox did and said there was a short, about 30-second uh, clip that said, This is how uh, Sony shares games. Takes a physical copy, hands it to the next, hands it to the person right beside you, goes, Thank you! <laughs> God. Yeah. And then, the and then they changed around, and Xbox is now doing good with... They're doing the Netflix of gaming, which is actually pretty well, and they're starting to sell people on that. I had good hope in PlayStation because I wanted to play my earlier games on later consoles, and I'd be willing to buy the next generation console to do that. But the PS3 vaguely could kind of play via whatever mechanism some earlier games. And what's the PS4? I don't know what the hell. They've got downloads that let you do that. I don't want to... I don't want anything. I just want to take my original media and use it. And they never had backwards compatibility working properly. They never. And every generation won't have complete backwards compatibility. Like every generation has a very significant improvement in processing power and they should just be able to emulate. Well, they just rewrite the code and make things different. But um, Xbox is slowly pushing out backwards compatibility to previous generations of games. Well, it's going to be harder and harder seeing as... So, uh, optical disc technology has a lifespan, and the the physical thing erodes over time. So the plastic is, is immortal. Um, but the but, stuff in stored in it is... But it's, it's designed in layers. So that actual label... If you're if you're looking at a disc, if you're looking at the label side, just underneath that label is the shiny bit, and then there's the the layer of clear plastic, well, clear acrylic or whatever it is. Um, 
things. And so if you scratch that label, you'll eventually scratch down to the shiny bit that gets red. That's your data. Now, there is a coffee staining style effect where there you will eventually get a bit of a separation or a degradation. Like This is why you don't put your DVDs in daylight, because that will actually wreck your stuff. Um, and so you eventually get these problems, and you'll have read errors, and eventually spots on the disk will just be bad. And this this is the argument for, for, for example, I've got a large physical DVD collection, and this is the argument that people like me have for copying it out, for quote-unquote ripping it and putting it into, in my case, an ISO. Um, but people, some people... Uh, what transcode it into a movie file, for example? I don't do that, um, and 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 the reason is because your physical media is going to eventually die, and so I could have the discs sitting there as I mean collectible objects, even though they'll eventually become unplayable. You know, have the physical thing as proof of purchase, essentially, even though it's it's not readable. I mean, I've got my new computer doesn't have an optical drive in it at all. I had to buy a USB one. That's how I'm ripping things. Theoretically, I could play disc with that, but it's like my floppy is in a spare, my floppy drive is in a spare computer over there. I don't even own a floppy disk anymore. We're, we're going to have new technology where like I don't have a Blu-ray player. I, I mean, that's what I would use a console for, for playing my Blu-ray stuff. I don't actually have Blu-ray DVD content, right? That Blu-ray technology is so, and at least that stuff has backwards compatibility. Um, I want to get, uh, what's the technology? There's actually a newer technology for a larger size disc that uh, is out now. And it's specifically designed for archivists where you've got a lifespan of disc, but it's like a hundred year lifespan disc. And uh, so you could actually burn your data to that and have it as a reliable backup for stuff. And uh, I like the idea of that. And there's additional technology for the last one I looked at. The it's a hundred. I think it's a hundred gigabyte disc, optical. And the, the theoretical limit on this technology again, it's optical technology, and it's a, it's a, instead of a, a flat surface or a multi-layered surface like Blu-ray or something like that, it's actually using a three-dimensional optical matrix, which is technology I knew about a while ago. And the theoretical limit of this um, substrate is 100 EB, which is, I think it's 100 billion gigabytes for a disk, theoretically, right? And I'm like, okay, well, Linux can use that because <laughs> it can think in numbers that big. Um, well, that's great, but, but that sounds really... That's, <laughs> that is really great, like the storage size on that, but you break that and who knows how much you've lost. Well, but what that means is is the physical medium for delivering something like a video game <laughs> patch day <laughs> 10,000 terabytes of data on pat on day one patch like 
Okay, we're probably gonna get that sh- that that kind of thing. I think devs need to be shot. Yeah, it's uh... like going back to games and how the certain things, certain the certain things get devs are doing nowadays just just shouldn't be allowed. Well, there's a lot of this was highlighted from gosh, what game was that? It was an absolute nightmare. For which part? For the development cycle, it was. What development? It, it was. Uh, it was blamed for pushing developers way too hard, and its launch was a failure. And it had to, like every game is kind of like that. Now. Most games are if they if they need a day one patch, it's which like they all do. Bethesda, I think it was. I can't yeah. remember the name of the game. Yeah. They're the it's the company that's gonna do the new Dragon Age. Yeah. Oh, Dragon Age. No, it's but it's not the Dragon Age game. It's the EA? previous one. And uh, what the heck were they doing? The guys that do the Frostbite engine. Dice. Man. Dice uses the Frostbite engine solely, but it's EA who's... So I must be thinking about EA, but I can't remember the name of the game that brought up a lot like, of this controversy. Are you talking about um, overworking? or? Yeah. Yeah, crunch yeah it's crunch a, time but it's the, always been a thing well we'll take we'll come back and talk about crunch after the break okay and while i'm going back to crunch and video games it's yeah it's normal actually it's been a thing since it's normal since, since the 80s <laughs> yeah overworking but as a few video or pointing out to jim sterling um one of his crunch talk videos it's sure companies enforce people, but if they have to end up firing a bunch of people after a bunch of projects, that's okay. So you you have to think of it like they have X amount of effort during a project's creation, and it's just like seasonal work. Of of course, like developers going to get laid off when they're not work when it's in maintenance mode, right? They might need additional people for a new expansion pack or something like that, new content that comes out. They'll need developers longer term for some new project. But why would they need everybody that they had when the game has launched? Um, So I I wouldn't call that firing, but I mean, certainly for a lot of games these days, um, businesses are getting grilled by their staff who are getting burnt out and leaving and uh they don't well bad management and uh terrible employees that don't have the right expectations but the idea of working an employee 12 hours a day is uh i mean that's challenging but it's not effective to do that usually when you've got crunch like that it's it's poor planning that's done then. Um, Blizzard's got a pretty effective way of doing things that I have observed, which is uh, they have some defined goals. They, they chunk it out into multiple specialties. So got one group doing environment stuff, another group doing quests and NPC placement, another doing, you know, yada cutscenes or whatever the heck. And they, they get all that stuff mapped out and certain things are higher priority to get done and other things can get chopped sooner and they only release what's polished to a point and then there's so there's certain stuff that's just 
kind of trickles out at the edges that's missing. It's frayed at the edges, but everything else is it's good enough. They don't crunch to get 100% of one of these endeavors done. So they, they might not finish all of the quests. So some quests might end at some dumb lore uh, question mark at the end of a quest chain or something like that. And they won't. There's no apologetics. They just let leave dead silence. So they have little areas that might have been interesting and had potential for more stuff, but they never, they had no time. So they just stopped and they released uh, when they were promised to release. And other businesses, what they'll do is they, they will crunch to get that additional stuff that they have defined ahead of time. And they'll crunch to get all that done. And uh, it shows. And, and sometimes, because oh, there's not like a beginning that you have perfect and then middle that it's okay and then end that's kind of frayed because you're running out of steam. A lot of these other games, it's... Bits are done when bits are done, and the fraying can be seen all throughout aspects of the game. But um, so it's it's generally bad development. So I've actually talked about this on my own time at some length because I actually understand the development, even game development, very well from a, a high level perspective, from like a planning perspective, so project management perspective by the way. So if you want to learn about um, why crunch happens, you want to read a book called uh, The Mythical... I think it's called The Mythical Man Month. It's a really good book. It's, it's quite dated at this point, but the ideas apply quite well. So it's like, there are problems that exist in the world where... So from a project management... So you've got a project that you're working on with staff, with man hours of effort going towards some goal. And there are, and it's not necessarily defined. So you've got a problem of X number of man hours. You throw X number of man hours at it and the problem gets solved. That's not how things work with game development, for example, because it's partly an art. It is, how is it? I would say it's just art. Are you familiar with programming at all? So a lot of it is rigid. There is stuff with defined goals in there, so engine-related stuff. And and there is, there is more to it. Like, the actual act of programming is a left-brain art form. It is very strange. Well, and a lot of the problems that you try to solve require a, a level of creativity, and it's not just the mechanics, not just the math. So things are unknowable when it comes right down to it. You can define your problems and you can break it down and you can make good estimates. Good. But when it comes right down to the actual programming, things are weird. Things things get really weird and unpredictable. And this is really hard for, for pointy-haired bosses to get wrap their brains around. Which is why there's a like Microsoft, I think, was the one that introduced the idea of a project manager into programming in the first place. And they act as a bridge between idiot pointed hair, pointy hair bosses that don't understand programming and the actual programmers who don't understand pointy hair bosses. So, so that's a good thing for you from Microsoft? Yeah, it so, wasn't something they stole? Uh, I think it's something they, well, it's certainly something they implemented very successfully, way 
way back in early days. Um, they may have actually invented... I mean, it's a pretty obvious idea, right? So maybe... Right? I don't know. And uh, so... The, so there's an unknowable art form to it. And there's two, two notions in, in business in something like this where you would think you have a problem, you just throw money at the problem. And, and the problem goes away. It just costs more. So problems come and, you know, the unknowable nature of developing your thing happens. Your, you know, your, your assembly line, certain things get expensive. You just throw money at the problem and the problem goes away. Okay. So that's one idea. <laughs> it's dumb and it turns out to be wrong. And the other is I have problems that, that my people are working on. The problems are hard and are going to require more time. I'll throw more people on it. I'll like hire extra people. And um, the problem goes away. Well, that's okay, the I exact see. opposite. All right. So what happens in the gaming industry is they, they, they have this, they have a plan. <laughs> and the plan falls apart in reality. So they have a plan. And then crunch and, gets introduced. And if they're smart, they won't have obligations with a timeline. But at some point they start they start hyping it and they start hyping a release date. There are like legal obligations behind the scenes and there's all kinds of fun stuff. Like they, like a company might have uh, this, so they have stocks and stuff. And so they might have a, uh, like a quarterly announcement of expected revenues and that impacts their stock price. And so they want to have a game release before the next budget rollover, before the next quarter, so that it doesn't impact their stock. And so there's stuff happening behind the scenes. So on the on the gamer side of stuff, they, they've got like a release date, and the release date is a lot harder than people realize. And there might even be legal reasons why there are certain, right, there, there's certain, a certain firmness to the times being given. So... The fact that the programming is an art form means that there are going to be problems that arise. They might bump into some awesome efficiencies too, but you know, probably some people up the chain were being too optimistic. And so what happens is they're looking at it, it starts off flat and everything's going according to plan. Then things become harder and weirder and harder and unknowable and some people somebody gets hit by a bus somebody gets sick and it, it that that release day begins to loom and they start looking at what they promised in the game and they start making decisions as to like what like do we need to release all the features that are faked cutscene promised and foam <laughs> And, and like, what, like, what can we get away with? <laughs> what features can we cut? What can we, what can we push into the first expansion? What can we, you know, gate into whatever the heck? Oh yeah, we're totally going to get that feature. Just not right away. <laughs> and, uh, and as it comes closer and there's this decision that developers make, which is, okay, well, I guess we're going to cut into our future profits, our assumed profits. What we're going to do is we're going to throw more money at this project 
to make sure its release is good and it's polished. Because they're like, okay, we're, we're going to hire a bunch more people. They're like, okay, first, you're introducing fresh blood into a mature project. And that fresh blood needs, needs to get caught up. So there's an, in, there's an inefficiency introducing new brains. And in order to get those people up to speed, you have to take your existing people and make them train these new people, which takes their time away. So you just made the problem worse. Okay, so you've got this. You, the, so this one, um, this one, quote unquote, journalist was talking about the hockey stick, which is a really great way of thinking about crunch time. So the amount of effort is this line, and there's this looming set of promises that requires more and more effort to actually meet for release day. So it ends up being a hockey stick, and you can imagine that you've got. You're not quite at the curve yet, and the the project managers and the pointy-haired bosses go, "Let's do this," and the 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 efficiency goes from aiming at the hockey stick to this big dip in the middle of the the handle of the stick, right? Because you're introducing new people and you're making the entire affair less efficient because you're dragging down your 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 mature, your well-informed existing staff. We're now being pulled away from their obligations and training these new people in the hopes that these new people, this little dip in effectiveness, will become a, uh, a hump uh, and possibly a, a, like a curve going up of efficiency where they will make up for their dis- disastrous insertion into this project. But the problem is, that crap happens way too late in the development cycle for it to pay off properly. So you end up having a much larger development team right at the tail end of stuff. And, and everybody gets burnt out because now because the, the efficiency hasn't quite paid off yet. And you have all these hard obligations. This combined with internet-connected video games, everything multiplayer, for example, um, everything has to be multiplayer for some reason. And well, EA's pushing for multiplayer because that's the only place that makes money, but Sony went ahead and I could talk about that. So I, I was okay, uh, I'll write that one down. Uh, okay, because that's so, the market. And if you're playing their ga- the I'll, argument is if you're playing our games, there's a chance you're going to spend money on our games while yeah, you're playing. I'll, I'll explain that a little bit. Um, no, no, I, there's, there's okay. reasons be- behind that. So the, the internet connectivity of video games means that what they can do is they can just barely squeak by to b- release the thing at their hard, hard schedule and they release a half-assed broken thing, but they continue the development effort as though their release day was really a couple days in. And, and like day zero, they have a patch. So they might have shipped out physical copies that are some development version, which has actually happened with some games. Which is pretty much all games. Yeah, which is now everything that's internet connected is going to be released half-assed. There's going to be a day zero live patch, however much. And they're going to be working on certain bugs day one, day two, day three, day four. And some companies, what they ended up doing, because they get burnt out staff, 
is they end up hiring like mercenary programmers to help work on certain bugs. They don't talk about this sort of stuff. But this behind the scenes, they actually spend a crap load of money that they should have spent in the first place, but they end up spending it after the fact. But now they have the revenue officially recognized from the project. They start spending some of that that revenue to get programmers to pay for overtime to and it ends up being that this game's this game was not polished until well after its release because it's internet connected because they have that opportunity so this hockey stick so it it hockey sticks right up to release day and then it stays that challenging for a while often because they've got dumb like really dumb bugs like oh man does anybody remember either dumb bugs or just bad oversight well yeah something's wrong like um let's you... use anthem let's use the punching bag that is anthem. anthem god so the nightmare so anthem has this one before they fixed it anthem had this one requirement once you get to there you have to kill or open up oh, certain things. Grind. <laughs> so they gated out content. So because gating they out content, done. it's fine. But how they did it was essentially it's a free for all. And if you're playing with people, oh god, yeah, that just made it worse. That just made the grind ex- exponentially much longer. Because if I recall, it was correctly oh, you were competing. Yeah. So oh man, somewhere be- on the world, after you complete an event, or you have to go find a box. You touch yeah. that box, and you're the only one who got the completion point. This... Or if you're the one that landed the final blow against a, against something, you are oh, the only one with the completion point. This is like World of Warcraft. This is over. Vanilla. This is oversight. <laughs> this is terrible oversight. This is like 1998. How did this oh get past? How did this get past a bunch of developers and someone overseeing this? When yeah, yeah it's bad. It's <laughs> now. Now, given that. Sure, because this was from the A team from Bioware, which is oh now now the A team of Bioware, their um history has been single player games. Okay, that's fine, but I imagine they had EA breathing down their necks with like a bunch of I can't imagine EA not sending at least a few people to someone manage or to to sometimes just use the whip. Okay, well, kind of. So they are. This is the company I was thinking of because they use the Frostbite engine for, um, for the game that you were just talking about. Andromeda had to use the Frostbite engine. With, yeah. No, it's either no, no. Anthem had to use Andromeda, the Frostbite engine. Yeah. Even though Frostbite engine wasn't really spec'd out for that. Yep. Which is a real problem. <laughs> and uh, what is it? It didn't have an inventory concept. So when it was being rejiggered for Dragon Age, it it had to have that built. The th- okay, so it, it's it's the weirdest thing. So this one engine had to mutate with these little cancerous warts. This feature for this game, this feature for this game. But the thing is, it has to be one stable target for each game. So I kn- I'm absolutely sure that what they had behind this, if they were smart... They're not. Yeah, okay, so... If they were smart, they would have a they would have a separate quote unquote frostbite engine for each of these projects. They can call it frostbite. It might pass around some core 
stuff, but you don't want you Some don't want like hub. you don't want like to borrow you don't want that project over there to insert features for itself and have that damage the feature set for project B and project C. So basically the entire Because you introduce these rippling effects of bugs. And when you have multiple projects all tinkering with this, they can wreck one another. That might explain a lot of the stuff that happened with Anthem. Like, for all I know. Um, but I know that they're, they're supposed to... They're dreaming the dream of using their own engine for all of their games moving forward. Which is nice. Just, just use Unreal, guys. Just use Unreal. Pay them. Which is nice, but it's... Yeah, it's a dream, but it's dumb. It's a bad dream. But I wanted to talk about uh, why everything is going to be online. Why why these companies want everything to be online. And it's... Uh, um, there's a problem with games now. So there is a notion of genres. And you have different players that like different genres of game. Right? So, and you might think, okay, well... Some people like puzzle games, some people like platformers, some people like adventure games, some, some people, people like card World games, of Warcraft. Okay, some people like MMORPGs, some like first-person shooters, and I can go on and on and on, but it, those categories no longer matter at all for games developers, because what happens is all of them want all of you. They want 100% of your spare time on their game. And they're competing on a level of the gamer's free time. And because they're doing that, genre no longer matters. So genre A and genre B are competing for all of your free time. So Minecraft is competing with Destiny for to get as, all, as much of your attention as possible. But there's just... And... Then what they're doing is they're, they want to wrap in opportunities for sales but, in that, over that length of time. Well, I guess I'm more rational than others. So, I would never touch Minecraft. Yeah, you're right. Um, so the, uh, the amount of... But you're not given any additional time to explore. So if you're invested in one game, a lot of your effort is invested. A lot of your time has to be invested to play that game. So... The other kind of related games you just don't have time for to play properly. So, I mean, not that anybody would want to play Anthem, but you don't have, if you play Destiny 2 seriously enough, you don't have time for, you want to be casual with Anthem. Actually, I think you can only be casual with Anthem. I'm not sure. There's a, whatever. There's, <laughs> like, with, as with every game, there's a small dedicated group. There's always a dedicated group. Yeah. But at this point with Anthem, it's small. <laughs> small what i what i like what i like is the fact that uh anthem is being used by developers as a uh, kind of a campfire story a, a warning for for their own developing of what not to do and uh i know this one dev who he was looking at anthem he's like oh I, I was so excited. This looks so good. The gameplay looks so good. But they messed up this and this and this. He's like, no, for this game that I'm working on, we're not going to make that mistake or that mistake. It's like, thanks, Anthem, for taking so many bullets. 
I don't think they took a bullet. I think they just walked, I think they just put on the vest, stood in front of the center, the town square, and just listed off everything. And at the end of it, I'm done. God. Click. I, I knew a guy who offered himself up to be a target for paintball without padding or anything, but the paintballs that were being used on him had been frozen. I was going to say, like, <laughs> so he's essentially just being banged. He was bruised. He was the anthem of paintball. <laughs> he's just wrecked. Why did he do that? I don't know. I think he was just being manly. And did the other team know? No, no, this is a team thing. It was just him and him and some friends and me. I didn't. I don't think I even shot him. I did some target practice. Okay, but here's the thing: How were the paint? Why were the paintballs frozen? Uh, they were just screwing around, and they had some paintballs that had been in the freezer for a while. I assume that. I mean, I don't think they were frozen all the way through. Honestly, okay, but I'm they th- were hard. Let me. Re- I'm thinking the why? setting is you're up, you're out at an actual paintball field. No, no, he was lining himself up against the wall as a target to be shot. On purpose. Okay. He, yeah, yeah. So this is, like, it, yeah, he, he was dumb. anthemed. <laughs> I don't want to be in this world. <laughs> he got anthemed. <laughs> and, no, it's just some people are like, can we just like the group where it's a bunch of people with actual common sense? With okay. actual... So, do you know the book The Time Machine? No. It's, a, it's an old book. It's like 1890s or something. It's H.G. Wells. For me, who reads a lot, I don't read... No, this is old science fiction, but the, the time machine concept has uh, has been iterated forward with a bunch of different movies and books and stuff like that. And it has a far future scenario where you have... I can't remember the name of the two... Essentially two races. The like Eloy and the something or other. This is where we would look it up really quick. And one of them are brutish, slave, animalish kind of humanoids. And the other are these big brain, like literally physically big brained, psychic, extra smart future humans. So essentially what had happened is, you know, all the smart ones in society had continued to evolve into even smarter and smarter and enslaved the other ones. So whenever somebody talks about, oh, well, we should just have smart people do like, we kind of know what that sort of stuff looks like. And you'd be surprised how smart dumb people are and how wrong you are about your perceptions of stuff. Like, yeah, really? Just have, like... But, they, and it's, I, I, I want people to have their free will to go and be dumb. I just don't want them to be dumb and harmful to me or to innocence, which which is a complicated thing to talk about. That's really co- Let's talk about religion. <laughs> talk about a cult at this point. Talk about cults, yes. Let's talk about university. <laughs> no, that's a scam. Well, yeah, university. Man, I'll offer you a loan, and. You have to get my degree in order to get a job to pay back the loan. 25 years later. <laughs> At this point, it's... It's it's slavery. Compound interest is slavery. That is what I will abolish when I am elected dictator. Vote for me. <laughs>